Good morning, everyone. We are about to begin learning Shemona Esrei. But before we delve into the details, the brachos, and the specifics, it will be worthwhile to take a step back and look at the overall structure of Shemona Esrei to get a better appreciation of what we're saying. The Rambam writes in the beginning of Hilchos Tefillah that before the Anshei Knesset before Ezra, there was a Torah obligation to daven b'chol yom. As the Torah says, Vavatem es Hashem elokechem, you have to serve Hashem. And the way we know that service of Hashem is referring to tefillah, it's, it's because the Torah says, and the avodah is tefillah. Now, when a person recited tefillah every single day, there was no specific nusach, there was no specific time. It had to be done within the day, but not at a specific time in the day. And a person had, could say it for as many times or as little times as he wants. However, the Rambam notes that even though there wasn't a specific time or structure, there was a framework or formula that had to be constructed when fulfilling this mitzvah. And he writes in the second halacha of Parak Alpha of Hechos Tefillah, the chi of mitzvah zu kachu, the way one fulfills this obligation is the following. A person davens and supplicates himself to HaKash Baruch every single day. Number one, he relates shvach to Hashem, praise to Hashem. Then he asks the things that he needs. And say it in a way of beseeching and supplication. And afterwards, then one recites again more shvach and, and he adds as well acknowledgement over the things that Hashem has done for him according to each person's ability and experiences. So for the Rambam, there's this overall structure, even though the details aren't specific, of number one, starting with starting off with Shvach, then moving on to Bakasha and She'ila, and then finishing off with more Shvach and then and Hoda. The source of this requirement um, is found in the Gemara Baruch HaSlam and Rabbi Samloi was, uh, was Dorish Apasuk, and he made the following conclusion, that person should adam a person should always, meaning seemingly even before the formal obligation of davening, a person should always be saying shvach to Hashem and then davening to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. And how do we know that? It's from Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu, in the end of the Torah, writes Veschanan al Hashem Isai. Moshe davened to Hashem. And how do you do it? Moshe relates. He first said shvach. He says Moshe says Atachilosa Laroses Abdacha as Gadolcha Veserchan Chazaka. You showed to your servants your, your servant your greatness, your strong hand. Who is the Ashramiel but Shemayim Baruch Hashem Sech Masach Grasecha? Who is the um, God in the, in the heavens and the earth can do like you in your strength? And then, then Moshe begins with the Sheila Evra Nabar Veeres Aretz Atova. Moshe asks to uh, pass into Eretz Israel. So from here we see that there's a resp- responsibility to have first Shvach and then um, Tfila in one's davening, and this is a seemingly a way one is mekayim the mitzvah in a Torah Bishlei Musa. Now it's interesting the Rambam is seemingly coming from this Gemara, but he adds an extra step. After one says Shvach and then She'ila and Bakasha, one that has to have a third step for the Rambam, and that's more Shvach and Hoda on the past that Hashem has, on what Hashem has given to him. And the question is, where is that in front of the Gemara? It's seemingly not quoted in the Gemara at all. The Or Sameach on that Rambam quotes that the Rambam is coming from a different source, from a Sifrein in Parshish Mezosa um, Bracha. Ramosha Binu actually says praise to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, then asks the brachos and the things that B'nai Yisrael need, and then he finishes off with further shvach to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And while 
the language of the Sifrei mentions Shvach Shamakom, the Tosafta and Menachos in the sixth parak notes that the three uh, formula, pieces of the formula are Halal, Vishvach, Utfila. Halal is the praise, the general praise to Hashem in the beginning of Davening, then the Tfila is the actual requests. And then at the end, you have uh, Shvach, which is further, which is in, in, in the Orsameach's explanation, further Shvach and also Hoda on the past that, that Hashem has, has given to him. Uh, seemingly, even though Hoda is not explic- explicitly mentioned, it seems like, for at least the Rabbam, it seems like an obvious point that that is included in the Shvach at the end of one's Tefillah. The Rambam notes that even after the nature of Tefillah changed, after the times of the Anshayi Knesset and in, in the days of Ezra, this format has still been kept. He writes in, in Halachadal and in the, in the beginning of Hilchus Tefillah that after B'nai Yisrael were in the Galos, they weren't able to fully express praise to Akash Baruch in a clear way because of the Bilbal Halashonos. And because of that, Chazal made a takana to basically codify and structure how one should be initiating davening to Akash Baruch Hu. And the structure is Shmon Esrei. The first three brachos, the Rabbim says, are Shvach Lashem. The last three brachos are Hoda. And the middle category, the middle set of brachos are Sheila um, for all the different needs that a person would need in his life. And he could extrapolate from them and expand from those, those, those categories um, as, as necessary. So again, for the Rambam, it seems to be that even though we now have a more formalized system of tefillah, we're still maintaining this original three-pronged test requirement of shvach, she'ela, bakasha, and then hoda at the end. Arguably, the Rambam's formulation of shvach, bakasha, and hoda comes from this later uh, Gemara in Brachostaf, which again makes this three category split where the Gemara says one should only ask, ask for Srachav in the middle brachos, not the first three or the last three. And the Gemara compares it to an Evid. In the beginning, an Evid is Masadah Shvach before his master. Then he asks for things and then he takes what he, the, the thing that he asked for and recognizes that, that, that gift from the master and then leaves. Potentially, this might be the three categories that the Rabbim has been mentioning of Shvach, Bakasha, and Hoda which is Hodal Shavar on the, on the fact that Hashem was Mashpiat to him on the past. Um, and that's those, those three categories that we're mentioning um, right now. Now, the question really is, why do we exactly need to have this structure? Now, we know it from Moshe Rabbeinu, we have a marshal from an Evid, but what does it enhance? How does it enhance our tefillah experience? A way to approach this question is by looking at another Gemara in Avodah Zarat of Zion Mabes. There, the Gemara already assumes that we're saying Shemona Esrei, um, and the Gemara still has a discussion of when should a person recite his personal needs in this tefillah process. There are three opinions in the Gemara. The first opinion is quoted in the Gemara is that of Rabbi Eliezer, Eliezer who says that a person should, even before davening, Shimon Esrei should first request his own needs. As the, as the Pasuk and Tilab says, tefillah A person should daven like an Ani and supplicate before Akash Baruch and then he should be which is tefillah itself. So a person should first ask, ask for things and then praise HaKadosh Baruch Hu for the process of tefillah. Second opinion is Rabbi Shua, who says a person should actually recite all of Shemona Esrei, Spalel, say all of Shemona Esrei, and then you should be Yishal Tzrachav, you should then ask for his personal needs, as the possible, another person tell him says, First I'll say Sichi, which is tefillah, and then I'll express my tzaros, my needs. 
And the Gemara goes back and forth about the different Sukkim, how, how to read them. The Gemara ultimately explains that the Machlogus might be dependent on the comment of Rabbi Simoy that we mentioned earlier, that we derive from Moshe Rabbeinu that a person should first be, say, Shvach to Hashem and then Tefillah. Rabbi Shua says we should derive the way we should ask personally, the way that the same way that Moshe Rabbeinu um, asked from Akash Baruch Hu, first saying Shvach and then requesting from Akash Baruch Hu his needs. And Rabbi says no, Rabbi Lezer says no, Moshe Rabbeinu was unique. He was a Rav Guvrei. As Rashi explains, he was a gadol. He has great ma'isim. He has a lot of chachma, and therefore the shvach was appropriate to be saying first. Um, from this Rashi, it sounds that we we get an inside peek of what is the machlogus really dependent on. Rabbi Elazar seems to be saying that maybe saying shvach is appropriate for a person who is genuinely um, has this close relationship to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, and therefore the shvach is appropriate before one asks um, things from Hakadosh Baruch Hu. However, for the general masses, people who don't have that close connection, if a person first extols someone and then asks them for something, the extolling and the praising is just a means to get what he wants. And it looks like, in the language of Rashi, like, like you are, like you're just trying to show that you're great, that you're a great person, but that's not really what is what is actually being intended for. However, the opinion of Rabbi Yeshua, who argues that we should follow and follow and be like Moshe Rabbeinu, um, is interesting because. The point of Rabbi Lazar's argument seems to be a very valid point. She would be concerned that it's a, it's almost like a farce to be saying shvachos before one asks for things. One should first ask and then recognize Hashem through that process. The Mabit in the Beis HaLakim and, and really beforehand, the Rashba in his Chidush HaGadus in Brachos Ahmed Beis discuss this point and they explain that while Rabbi Lazar has a good, has a very valid point, the other opinion, Rabbi Yeshua, is more, weighs more gravity and import in our own personal expression, expression of tefillah. And, and they explain that if a person were to just ask for things and then say shvach, he wouldn't be able to properly gain from the experience of bakasha. When one first says praise to bakash baruch, they have this recognition of who Hashem is, then the bakashas don't seem, don't, aren't just asking hakash baruch for things. They are transformed into a process where one is using the bakashos as a means to more clearly and more overtly recognize Hakash Baruch Hu's involvement in his life, that he's the only one who could answer these tefillos. And that actually impacts one's bakasha, not just being a selfish endeavor per se, but being a means to actually develop the relationship that is being uh, that is being. Uh, created in this process of tefillah. And the Rashi says that's why we have really these three brachos in the beginning to ingrain within us that idea that Akash Baruch Hu is the ultimate being who can answer our tefillah. So the first bracha is about chaste avos. Hashem gave us so much so much, and it's not because of us. The second bracha we recognize that Hashem can even do mechayi mesim, he's in total control over reality. And the third bracha we acknowledge that even the angels are subject to Akash Baruch Hu, and all the more so we are subject to Akash Baruch Hu, and that's why we're going to him. Lahalacha, however, even though Rabbi Shua has a also a valid point, the Gemara concludes that the Chachamim argued that one should only really recite his srachav in Shomea Tevila. And the Meiri explains based off the Yerushalmi, Shomea Tevila, as we'll develop later on, is almost like a catch-all Tevila, in the sense that while Rabbi Shua in theory is correct, that one should first say Shvachos and then She'elos, um, and these She'elos are more standard. And then after fulfilling that, that structure, one does his own personal Tevilos, Chazal in in the structure of Shemona Esrei itself have made space for one's own individual needs, 
And that's in the bracha of Shmei Tefillah. But again, it seems to be the Chachamim are fundamentally agreeing to the opinion of Rabbi Yeshua that Shvach should come before She'ilah because it enhances the She'ilah and reframes one's requests that are made before HaKadosh Baruch Hu. While the overall structure of Shmona Esrei is Shvach, Akasha, and Hoda, within that structure, it seems to be that Chazal fixate, are fixated on the number 18 as being the number of brachos that are required in this process. The source of this requirement is found in the mission Brachos Chavchas Mabez, where Rabbi Gamil said every day, person should dive in Shmona Esrei. Person should dive in Shmona Esrei Brachos. And the Gemara asks there, what, what, why did Chazal decide to have 18 Brachos? The Gemara gives three different answers. One answer is it's connected the 18 times we mentioned Hashem's name in, in Tilm Perak Chavtas, about Hashem's power. The second answer, that of Rabbi Yosef, says it's connected the 18 times there's the Shem Hashem mentioned in Kriyashma. And the third is a quotation of Rabbi Tamchum in the name of Rabbi Shubin Levi, who says it's corresponding to the 18 uh, vertebrae in one's spine. And the Gemara then says we had a 19th bracha added, and the Gemara then explains if you say the opinion is because of we have 18 because of Tilm Chavtas, you find another Pasuk in Tilm Chavtas about Kela Kavod Hirim, which is a mention of Hashem. If you see the reason is because of Shema, the word Echad is an additional mention of Hashem's name. And Reb Tanchem, if you say the issue is because of, of, the, of the spine, there's a small little bone, which is insignificant, but we're going to consider it um, again in this count, um, which is at the bottom of the spine. And that's also included in the, in the uh, 19. So the Gemara seems to be saying that there's three different ideas that we're thinking about when we're trying to formulate the, uh, the idea of Shemona Esrei. Either it's mention of just Hashem's power, and we're recognizing that. Um, another aspect is that we're connecting it to Kriya Shema, Kabbalah Samach Shemaim. Again, an idea that we've developed previously. Or third answer, we're connecting, connecting it to the spine, um, seemingly a reference to the bowing of the spine, sub submitting ourselves before Kosh Baruch and that's the process of tefillah in its totality. There are all the processes we're doing, we're submitting ourselves and recognizing Kosh Baruch Hu, um, in our lives. And that's what we're doing through the process of tefillah. Now, the Gemara, while the Gemara gives these different answers, other Rishonim have different sources. For other calculations, some say it's Kenegah, the 18 times you mentioned the Avus in the Torah, that's the Chassidi Ashkenaz, um, where they mentioned that point. The Rabbi Yonah notes, maybe it's Kenegah, the end is quoted by the Baal that there's 18 times it says the word Kashar Siva Hashem by the building of the Mishkan, potentially connecting the idea of Tefillah and Karbanos together as they go hand in hand. Now, while we have a source that there has to be 18 different brachos within Shemona Esrei, the specific types of brachos that are said, avos, kivuros, kedusha, uh, the question really is, where do they come from? Some mefarshim, such as the Shiva Halakha quoted in the Beis Yosef in Simon Kufyut Beis in Archaim, explains that the source of saying all these different types of brachos are from historical accounts. And after each account, they, the people of that generation created a bracha to recognize HaKadosh Baruch in those events. And at the end, Chazal collaborated and compiled all those different brachas together. So like, for example, when Avram was saved from Merkastim, the Malachi Asharis said Magin Avram. When Yitzchak was Nekar uh, Agav the angel said Mechaya Mesim. And Chula Yaakov reached Shari Rachamim, then they said HaKal HaKadosh. And the list goes on and on until there were 18 different events where the Malachi Asharis created a tefillah in response to a certain event. And those different events are the categories that we find in, in, in Shemona Esrei. 
Refersh develops a different answer to this specific question, um, but in, in reality, he has an essay in his collected writings and it's reference to his comments on Chorev and on the Siddur, where he develops an entire structure of tefillah, and it's a, a general, in general, a great background uh, piece to appreciate to get a general sense of what tefillah is trying to accomplish and what's the general structure of our Shemona Esrei. And he bases off a premise that when we say, when the Gemara says tefillah spamakam karban, it's not just a correlation, a connection, but an essential feature of tefillah. The Gemara has almost conf- two conflicting sources of why do we have the takana of, tfil- of tefillos. One explanation is because the avos were in it. Another explanation the Gemara gives in a different place is because it's connected to different zmane karban. Referring to different times when one davens. Um, the Rabbim seems to understand that the formula of tefillah itself was, was already instituted by the Avos, he says that in Hilchas Malachim, but he says explicitly that Chazal instituted the timing for tefillah to be corresponding to the timing of Karbanos. Um, it seems to be for the Rabbim, and this might be Shittasatu's understanding of tefillah in general, tefillah is avoda, has nothing to do with Karbanos per se, it's just the general idea of service of the Kodesh Baruch Hu, not necessarily connected to Avos and Karbanos. However, the tour, as we mentioned earlier, explains that if you look at tefillah, it's modeled after so many different aspects of the Avodah of the Avodah We stand like the Kohen. We have to wear clothing that are appropriate like the Kohen. We have to have Kavanah that is appropriate the same way one is offering a Karban. For the Torah, it seems to be that there's not just a connection to Karbanos in, in the sense of Zmani Tefillah, but in an essential feature of Tefillah is that Tefillah is actually like you're offering a Karban. And the first says even further in the Torah that the actual structure of Shemona Esri was based off the Avodah of the Karban Tamid. In his words, tefillah is a concretization of the process of hakravas atamid through the words that we're saying. And, that's, and this is exactly the point um, that tefillah is not necessarily in the place of a carbon per se, but tefillah actually accompanies the carbon process. As, as we mentioned, the Achei Knesset Sagadol were the ones who established tefillah, and they were around during the Bayashini when the carbonos were existent. Um, it was even said during the times of when they were actually offering the, the carbonos in the base of Mekdash. Indicative of the fact that the tefillah is a supplement and not necessarily a substitute per se of karbanos. So, at first, with that assumption, explains if you go through the process of offering the tamid, you'll find that it parallels the process and structure of our Shemona Esrei. And he begins that there are three general sections to the offering of the tamid. The first part is the Zrika Saddam, which includes shechting the animal, uh, except Kabbal Saddam receiving the blood bringing the blood to the Mizbech and then sprinkling it on the Mizbech itself. Second part is the burning of the Imurim. And there were different, there was a process in which limbs were offered on Mizbech. And that order is going to reflect how the structure of Tzfilah Shemona Esrei is also um, created. And the last aspect of the carbon Tamid is the libations, the Mincha offering and the Nisuch Hayayin offering. And those are corresponding to the last three brachos of Shemona Esrei. So Refersh explains that the idea of Zrika Saddam, the first aspect of the carbon Tamid, is, is the idea symbolizing one's offering of oneself. The Dam is what gives one life, and it's the, in the Torah's language, it's the soul of the person, it gives life to the person. So one is offering from the get-go, he's offering himself onto the Mizbech, which represents one's devotion and ascension 
to fulfilling the the Eshdas, the fire of Torah that's represented by the Eish of the Mizbech, and which is basically the Ratzon Hashem, and that's our commitment to to Akash Baruch So when we say brachos, these first three brachos, and as Rav explains, what bracha means to pledge to ourselves to fulfill the Ratzon Hashem, we are pledging our soul to Akash Baruch and that's what those three first three brachos uh, represent. Frisch explains that the emphasis of this section is really all about Zrika. And now while that's only one avoda, Chazal found and expanded on this idea in three different brachos. And Frisch explains that correlates to the three different sprinklings one does in the avodas akarbantamid. The first sprinkling is done on the northeast corner, which represents the sun rising. Um, and that corresponds to the Brichas Avos, where we recognize the Brichas Avos, Hashem raising B'nai Yisrael up and taking care of them um, throughout, throughout their history. The second sprinkling is done on the southwest corner, which is at the noontime when the sun is setting, and that represents Gvura, where Akash Baruch Hu is mashpil on um, humanity in recognition of Hashem's greatness. And the last section, the last sprinkling, is the, on the Yisod, on the base of the Mizbeach, and that's not really dependent on any direction of where the sun is, rising or setting, and that represents Kedusha, which means there's a transcendent point, a point where we recognize Akash Baruch Hu and have that total commitment to Him, irrespective of anything that happens in our lives. We have that, that's, that's the expression of Kedusha, where everything is really submit, submitting before Akash Baruch Hu and not connected to any condition. After we do Zrika, we then move to the second section, or second aspect of the Karbatam, which is the Haktar Simur and burning of the burning of the limbs. And this represents the Brachos Amtsayos, the middle Brachos. Symbolically, when one burns the Imurim, we're effectively offering all the different organs that represent our minds, our thought process, our physical organs, and we're all bringing that, again, to the Eish Das, the fire of Akash Baruch Hu, nurturing all that of ourselves to fulfill the Ratzon Hashem in our lives. And this basically is a manifestation of the Zrika Saddam, of giving over our own blood, our own self, um, uh, consecrated to Akash Baruch Hu. And your first notes, that is the emphasis why after each bracha we conclude with the word Baruch, because in his language, Baruch makes the tefillah into a carbon, where what we pledge to use in, in, in recognition of Hashem's control and power over our needs, we then pledge to fulfill the Ratzon Shemor with that recognition. And the, the, the Mishnayis and Tamid explain that the process of burning the Imurim is actually complicated. There are many different opinions of what the order is. The normative opinion, um, Refresh explains, correlates to our understanding of Shemona Esri. And he explains that there are six steps to the burning of the Imurim. And, th- and those correlate precisely to the 12 brachos we say in Shemona Esri. The first step in the Haktar Simurim is offering the head of the animal, the fats of the animal, the right leg with shtei beitzim. And Refresh explains this symbolism is reflective of das, the head, um, but not just das for the sake of intellectual thought, but thought that actually affects one's physical body, that's reflective of the chalavim, and that's also reflective of the right leg, one's actions, um, and the shtei beitzim, um, which is representative of, of drive, and that's reflected in the Pesukim, or the, the statements of Dea Bina Haskel, where we ask for intellect, but not just intellect for the sake of it, but something that we could apply in our lives. The second process is reflective of the next bracha, where we offer two forelegs of the animal. And Refresh explains that the two forelegs of the animal guide where the animal goes. And that is correlated to tshuva, 
in the sense that we now have to guide our lives. Um, and that's what Shuvah does. Shuvah reorients our, our position so we could move forward in serving Hashem. The third aspect of the step of the Haktar Simurim is offering the end of the animal, the, the bottom of the animal, the two sides of the flanks of the animal, the tail, the etzba hakave, the finger of the liver, the two kidneys, and the left leg. And I first explained that this represents slicha. We're offering in this in this context the negative aspects of the animal that are symbolized in these off in these aspects in these imurim. The kidneys are the representative of the emotions. The kaved in the literature of Chazal represents kas, which is the idea of anger. The left leg represents the not positive aspects of one's uh, as of one's personality, and those are also being offered to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, reflective of slicha. After talking about Dea, Shuva, and Slicha, Perfersh explains we now move in to three groups of threes in the next brachos. The first group of threes is going to be the, the rest of the process of Haktar Simurim, the next three steps, and those represent the yachids, the individual's fulfillment or manifestation of what is symbolized by the Imurim. The next three represent the community, the Tzibur's um, idea or manifestation of what these Imurim represent. And the third set of threes represents the representation of certain images which highlight the Tzibor's manifestation of these Imurim um, being represented um, in that process. So we'll go through it now and we'll explain what, what we mean um, in this context. So the, the fourth step of burning the Imurim is offering the chest, the throat, the sides of the throat, the windpipe, the heart, and the lungs. And it first explains this represents the organs that give life, the condition to life of being able to breathe, having the, bu- the blood pump. And this represents Gula in the sense that Gula is the baseline, the necessary requirement for any development, for any healing or for further growth. And that's represented by Gula. Um, and this is the Yachid's um, manifestation of that aspect of Haktar Simurim. The fifth step of Haktar Simurim is bringing the flanks with the liver and the spleen. And the first notes that it, in, in, in medical records, one notices that there's a illness that's affecting the entire body, the liver and spleen will also be affected. If it's not affecting the liver and spleen, you can argue that it's a localized illness, it's not going to affect the entire body. This is correlated to refuah, um, and, and we ask in this bracha for the individual's refuah if there, if, if there is a need for that. The sixth and final step of the Haktar Simurim is burning of the innards, the things that produce, that help with the dig- digestion process. And this obviously is correlated to Parnasa. One needs food to live, and Parnasa is the way one attains that, that, those aspects of getting food and being able to survive and live. So the last three of Geula, Refua, and Parnasa are then repeated and reflected from a Yachid context to now a Tzibur context. So the next bracha then is the national Geula of Kibbutz Galios. That's reflective again of the of the Haktaras of the chest, throat, sides, windpipes, head, and, heart, and lungs, which are necessary for the baseline status of Klai Yisrael's Zatzibor, the gathering of the exiles. The next bracha is uh, about Hashiva Shoftena, where the justice should be returned. This is representative of the national refua. After we have everyone together, we now want to invoke the law and have the law be a part of everyone's life. And this removes, this is included in the next bracha of Amashinim, removing the evildoers who don't follow the law. Um, that They're included as well in this this categorization of the national refua. The next bracha is representative of this last aspect of Haktar Simurim, the idea of burning the innards, the idea of a national parnasa, reflective, um, mirroring the individual's parnasa, and that's the bracha of al because we want to develop and nurture the good parts of the nation, 
those are the tzaddikim that we want to not only have them recover from the law, but have them being able to develop the law and have it, uh, have an effect on the rest of the nation. So after this categorization of three, we now move to the final set of threes, which is the individual representations of the communals Rafua and Geula and Parnassah. So the first set of in this in this category grouping is Yerushalayim. We ask for Yerushalayim to be built, and this is the way one facilitates the kibbutz galus by having a central capital, that, um, enabling the national gula to occur. The next bracha is establishing David's kingdom, who are going to be representing the mishpat Hashem, the law of Hashem. That's going to enhance the national refu of the nation. And the final bracha is Shema Kalenu, which is almost the summation of those last two um, brachos, where we say that we want the nation to develop and develop all of these things that we've been davening for. We've been davening for the geula, diving for Kibbutz Galios and uh, the Mishpat Hashem, they should be focused on for the service of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, not for one individual goal or purpose, but only for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and that enhances the national parnasa and development and nurturing of the nation. And this concludes the second section of Shemona Esra and the second section of, of the process of Akrava Satamid, which is the Haktaras Imurim. Now moving to the third section of the process of offering the Tamid, we, we offer Minchas and Nesachim. Now, while the Iker aspect of this section is all about offering thanks, as the Rambam mentions about Hodah, and that's really emphasized by Modim, the two other brachos of Ritzay and Sim Shalom really are part of the conclusion of the Avodah, and they're bunched together with this aspect of Shvach uh, and Hodah to Baruch In the Mikdash, Refresh explains, based off the Gemara brachos, when the Avodah was completed, which is the Haktar Simurim, the Sibur would actually recite Ritzay, which is the next bracha in Shon Esrei where we ask Hashem to accept the Avodah that we just have for, we want it to be accepted and, and recognized by Kadosh Baruch Hu. Following that tefillah, we then move to the Iker aspect of the section, which is Hodah, and that's representative of Mincha and Sachem. Mincha, Reverse explains, is a tribute of Hodah, recognizing the debt one has over someone else. Um, as you find in Tanakh, many, all these Menachos are tributes, recognizing a debt either of gratitude or subservience to the other entity. Nesachim, Refresh explains these libations of wine, are actually a response to the episode of the Miraglim. The Miraglim did not think Hashem had control over their fate. That's why they were afraid, that they wouldn't be able to conquer Eretz Yisrael. Now, after Hashem says, Miraglim made a mistake, and he's going to bring them into Eretz Yisrael, we now realize that all of our lives, not just the necessary parts, but every aspect of our lives, is ultimately guided by Kash Baruch Hu, he gives us the goral, goral of our lives, the lot of our lives, and we have to recognize that those are those aspects of our lives which are given to us are means for service of Kash Baruch Hu, and we have to recognize where they came from. And that's where we say modim. We recognize and rec- uh, the debt and the blessings that Hashem has given us and hope to further recognize serve Hashem through all the good that He's given us. And that again is reflective of the Mincha and Nesach. The final bracha is Sim Shalom, which was actually recited also in the, in the Beis HaMikdash after it's say. Um, in this context, we're saying Sim Shalom at the end because one can only really appreciate Shalom, which is not just peace, but harmony of the different aspects of both the brachas that we said and all, all the hoda that we recognized. One has to ask Akash Baruch at the end for being able to, to be able to harmonize and recognize where each aspect of one's life should fit into. And that's the brach of Sim Shalom. So for Hirsch, the structure of tefillah 
is modeled very much to the structure of the Hakravas Atamid. We have Zrigas Adam, Hakaras Akhtarasimurim, and Mincha of Nisachamaim going following through, and that's the structure structure of Shvach Bakasha and Hoda. This follows very nicely to the idea that one should not be reciting personal requests in throughout the davening. One should only be reciting in specific locations. This idea emphasizes that Chazal gave us a specific text, um, basically to, to prescribe to us what to focus on, and those aspects enable us to better internalize the representation of the carbon Tamid and really prepare us for a service of Akash Baruch Hu in, in its totality. Obviously, there's a place for personal Akashos and Shema Kalino and after davening, but the structure of Tula itself, of Shemona Esrei, has a specific tension, a, t- a specific goal in mind, and that focus um, should be maintained um, in light of, of the structure that we're, that we're discussing now. Just as an aside, the fact that there is a structure to davening is not exactly um, accepted by all Mepharshim. The Gemara says in Brachos that Ein and Tsayim Seder, the middle Brachos don't have a Seder. And the Gemara, the Rishon will grapple with this, this point because the Gemara in Megillah notes that Shimon HaPakuli, one of the Tanaim, early Tanaim, actually was Masader, the order of Shimon Esrei, which sounds like that there's an eco, there has to, be, has to be a specific order in how one davens. So the Gemara there says that while Anshay Knesset HaKadola did establish Shimon Esrei, we forgot the Gemara's Lashon is Nishkachu, they forgot the order. Because of Yisodim, and they re, again re, re, went back and they reorganized and reinstituted um, Shemona Esrei, and that's, that was with Shemona Pekuli, who came after the Anshanah Knesset HaKadola. Um, and it's a little strange, because if it's something that you say every single day, wh- why would the order be switched? The Ritva there explains, um, in a comment of the Haggah, notes that it wasn't really they, they forgot Shemona Esrei, but there really wasn't an order instituted by the Anshanah Knesset HaKadola. Only later did Shemona Pekuli come and create a specific order, and we'll discuss that order as we go through the Shemona Esrei. But if you take the explanation of Rav Hirsch, who says that the order is based off the Hakravas Atamid and the, the Hakravas Imurim, um, Rav Hirsch notes that the exact order of the Hakravas Imurim was actually a big machlokas. And because of that, the order was, which was reflected by the Shemona Esrei itself was not clear um, as well. Only after Shimon HaPakuli comes and gives, gives us an order, we now can look back and say this was the actual way Akravas Atamid was offered, and that is reflected in the way that the um, that the actual Shemona Esrei is structured. In Halacha, Mepharshim discuss that if one makes a mistake, um, because of the concept of Ein and Tzoyim Seder, there might be some leeway um, about one forgetting which a specific bracha, where he could actually start from the place where he forgot, and not start from the beginning of that section, as we find if one forgets, unlike where we find if one forgets in the first three brachos, one has to start from the entire Shemona Esrei in general. Just one concluding point about the idea of Shemona Esrei, the idea of Avodah Shemalev, the Rambam emphasizes in the end of his Mornavuchim, in, in the third Chelek, in Perak and Aleph, that because Tefillah and Torah is all about Avodah, Avodah is not just in the act itself of Tefillah and Avodah, but it's supposed to give you a, and develop you to become a person whose entire life is focused on Avodah Hashem. And he explains it's a slow progress. A person should first focus on Krishma and, and the first bracha, the first bracha pasuk of Krishma and the first bracha of Shemona Esrei. And as one develops himself and has more ability to focus, this will hopefully purify the person and ultimately, 
you will then be able to spill over that avoda to the rest of your life. When you eat, when you drink, when you're in the bathhouse, when you're speaking with your kid, wife and kids, when you're speaking with other people, any other time that you're not doing specific avoda, that itself will become part of the avodas Hashem. And that's the focus of uh, being having a Kashbar ever present in one's mind. And that's the avodas Hashem that we're trying to inculcate in ourselves through the process of tefillah, through Kriyashma, through learning Torah, the awareness of a Kashbar in our lives on a, on a constant basis. And with that, we could begin our, our process of Shemona Esrei, being able, hopefully, to develop a deep awareness of a Baruch Hu, hopefully have, having that, that structure impact us in a way that will spill over to the rest of our lives.